What's going on? All right, y'all. We talk all the time at this church ad nauseum about the next 500 years. Next 500 years, next 500 years. We are a church that is called to usher in the next 500 years. And what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, the next 500 years of Christianity, what does that mean? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, it's a bold, audacious, kind of a silly goal. Can I use the word silly? Is that all right? But I believe in it. I actually believe we're going to do this. I believe we're going to usher in a new iteration of Christianity. I truly believe this. It's funny, um, I was doing this for our leaders last week, and one of our leaders was like, I love the vision, but what do you mean? Like, wh where does this come from? And so I say this all the time, but it's worth saying again. How many people have ever heard of a guy named Martin Luther? Okay, 500 years ago, Martin Luther, uh, he nails 95 Thesis to a door, and he basically says, Catholic Church, stop scamming everybody. Right? That's basically what the 95 Thesis said. Um, in those exact words. And so he does that, and it changes Christianity forever. So what happens is people are like, oh, by faith alone, I, I um, am saved through Jesus, right? Like, that's what it's about. But as everything devolves, so does this, right? And this devolves into kind of the American Christianity that we have now, right? And let's be honest, the American Christianity we have now, especially the evangelical Christianity, is not great. It's in need of some changing. It's in need of a new iteration, which is what we want to do. And so as a church, we say, hey, we're going to usher in the next 500 years. It's a big calling. How? We're going to do it, number one, by including people who generally aren't included traditionally, right? And scripturally. So the LGBTQIA community, we absolutely include, affirm, you are loved, you are safe here. And, uh, and there's nothing that will stop you ever from coming to the table at the, in this community, right? That's one thing we say. That's true for any other marginalized community or a community that is systemically oppressed. That's true for all of that, all of us here, okay? That's number one. Number two, we love the Bible. It is the inspired word of God. It is not a constitution. It is not a moral rule book. It is not one of those things where it's like, well, it says it right there, so we better do it. No, what it is, is this beautiful, God-inspired way um, that people are imagining and reimagining God over and over again throughout our scriptures. It's great. It's got letters in it and poems and music and, like, let's treat it as such, right? Yeah, okay. We'll keep going. <laughs> what else? God is not mad at you. Okay? The, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not so that an angry God could have his wrath satisfied. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I always say this, is that so we change our minds about the goodness of God, not so that God changes God's mind about us. Okay? And last but not least, we are going to usher in the next 500 years by being political. Ooh, y'all. Oh, no. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Politics of Jesus. Okay? Jesus was incredibly political in the life that Jesus led. And so what we want to do is we want to follow the way that Jesus led. So when Jesus is, is lo looking out and searching for equity, we want to do the same. And when Jesus is looking for justice for those who have less, we want to do the same. We believe that these things are going to usher in the next 500 years. And we believe that our church is already doing it. At least I believe our church is already doing it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, right? And so it's interesting because when we started talking about what we want to do for 2020, our staff sat down and said, what are we going to do for 2020? And we came up with an idea. And it's going to be exciting. In fact, this is going to be a real exciting message. Y'all ready? Here's our idea. We are going to usher in the next 500 years of Christianity. And the way we're going to do that in 2020 is by taking a step backward in order to move forward. Isn't that super exciting? <laughs> Come on, y'all. Get behind that. That's what do I mean by that? What do I mean? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I did this for our leaders last week, and I want to invite y'all into my brain a little bit, the way that I think about things. And so we have these buckets over here. That's what we're going to call them. And one bucket is for Sunday. We call it the Sunday bucket. One bucket is for midweek, the stuff we do midweek. 
One I'm just going to call our serve bucket, but it's got a lot of stuff there. And we want these buckets to fill up this big bucket, which is the 500 years vision, right? That's what we want. So now you're getting a little picture of my head, okay? And in Sundays, Sundays are good things, right? We want this to be an entry point for all of us who are looking for a new kind of Christianity. About 18 months ago, we made a really good hire. Her name is Angela Lockett. Y'all know about Angela? Yeah, totally. So, so she, she is aces, right? And she makes our Sundays better. And then we hired another guy named Robbie, who's a tech director who you'll never see. And that's the way it's designed. Because, <laughs> so it's designed that way because Robbie's just making sure our production is okay. And so I love that. And so we're filling up that Sunday bucket. We're, I think we're creating something that people like and are excited about and people can worship. But there's more left. There's more to do. Um, we are going to focus on our children because if you're not a parent, how many of y'all remember that kids are downstairs right now? Don't raise your hand because none of y'all remember. Okay? <laughs> so so we, we have to, there's more that we can do for families and for kids. So we're not quite full there yet. Okay? And then we have our midweeks. How many people are in a small group? Anybody in a small group here? A few of you. Great. And what we've recognized is there are a lot of people in our church who are doing great things. We have great small groups. We have, um, you know, we have these wonderful events that we do midweek. Uh, we have opportunities to serve midweek. But there are people who are falling through the cracks. There are people in this church community who, when they walk through the doors, are like, actually, I'm not finding community. It doesn't work for my schedule. You know, it's, it's not what I need it to be, right? And so we, we don't want to see that happen. We want everybody who walks through these doors to find community. So midweek, we're going well, but you know, we can do a little bit better. And then lastly, serving. Now, serving feels a little bit new for our church, okay? Um, because what we decide is we're not just going to serve on level one. We're going to serve in a way that actually changes systems, right? We want to see systems change. We want to see anybody who is oppressed or marginalized brought up to equity, and we want to do that by, by organizing, by rallying, by doing justice work. We want to see that happen. We're not doing enough of it yet. So I would say in the way that we serve, we're still down here a little bit, right? And so when I think about what I want us to do for 2020, when I think about our 500-year vision, I'm like, I want to fill this bucket up, but I'm not going to get there until we fill these three buckets up, okay? This is the inside of my brain. Do you all get it? Okay, this is the way my brain works. So, so you're getting a little bit of a different message today. Okay, so that's how we're going to do it. I want us to do that. Now, how? All right, so in this Becoming series, we have talked a lot, and we have said we want to quit doing things in order to become better, right? So quit being perfect. Quit, you know, quit being certain. Quit being inauthentic. Is anybody else noticing that, or is it just me having fun doing that? <laughs> I, I think it might just be me. And so here's what I want to tell you today. I'm thankful for y'all because we don't have a community. We don't even have this vision if it's not for you. You are, are doing incredible work. Did you know that about 30 to 35 people every Sunday have to show up here unpaid as volunteers just to make church go? That's amazing. Thank you. Legitimately. And there are people who give to this church. Thank you. And I'm going to ask you one more time to give financially to this church. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. You can help us get to this vision by giving financially to this church. You can help us by filling up these buckets by giving financially to this church. This will be a giving message from here on out. Okay? If you're new here, welcome. <laughs> We're going to talk about giving today. Okay? So, so uh, sorry about that. I hope you come back. So here's the thing. <laughs> so so let's, let's talk about giving. And let's talk about why I believe that us giving financially is going to usher in the next 500 years. And so what I'm going to ask you to do today is I'm going to ask you to quit being charitable. Quit being charitable. Okay? What do I mean by that? Let's look in our Bibles. All right? 
How many people have ever read the book of Leviticus? <laughs> Y'all are liars. You never read the book of Leviticus. <laughs> no, seriously, how many people like, know about the book of Leviticus? Okay, good. Remember how I just said the Bible is not really a constitution? The book of Leviticus is. Okay? <laughs> it is for the Israelites. So what's going on? So the Israelites, they're freed from slavery, and they're wandering the desert. And what they need is they need infrastructure. They're going to become a great nation. Out of Israel will come Jesus Christ. This is the end game. This is what we want to see happen for Israel. But in order to get there, they got to become a nation. And so God and Moses get together and they say, hey, let's create a list of rules and, and, and regulations and, and some, some boundaries. Let's create that so that you can live freely, so that we can become the nation that you need to become. Right? And so that's why Leviticus and Numbers and parts of Deuteronomy are so incredibly boring. Because we're literally reading a legal document. Okay, that's literally what we're reading when we're reading those books. And so there's this one passage in it. It's Leviticus 27, and it says this. It says, Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If anyone does make a substitution, both animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. Now that is an action-packed passage, isn't it? Right? How many people have heard about giving 10% to tithe to the church. It's coming from this, okay? Now, here's the thing. This is legitimately, this is tax code. This is tax code for the people of Israel. And so not only is it 10% here, but then they also ask for another 10% for parties, which I think is kind of fun. <laughs> and then they ask for another 10% for refugees, immigrants, foreigners. A lot of the Bible's like that. So, so here's the deal, right? So basically what the, the tax code is, is, hey, give 30% of your money to make sure that this nation thrives, okay? Do that, okay? Now, here's the deal with us, right? Unless we're like a college student, like barely making ends meet or Jeff Bezos, we're also giving about 30% of our, of our salary. Am I right? <laughs> True, right. So, so here's the deal. Raise your hand if you like paying those taxes, about 30% of your salary. Raise your hand if you enjoy that. Yeah, if any of you raised your hand, I was going to call you liar. But yeah, I don't enjoy it. I don't like paying my taxes. You know what I love about the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers? They didn't like paying their taxes either. They didn't want to do it either. And this is why we do not like long-term, consistent giving of our money. We don't like it. You know what we like, though? I'll tell you what we do like. We like charity. We like giving charitably. There's other ways we could talk about giving charitably. Other ways we could talk about it, we could say we like giving uh, uh, to uh, uh, in, 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 uh, reaction, I'm, I'm like reactionary? Reactionary ways. We like giving in reactionary ways, and we like giving um, to stop something from happening. So we like interventional giving, okay? Now, I've preached about this kind of giving last year. Some of you might remember it. And uh, my old principal when I was a teacher would tell me you have to preach on something seven times before somebody gets it once. So this is the second time I'm preaching on it, and I'm going to preach on it five more times, all right? But regardless, some of you might be like, oh, this is familiar. It's because I preached on this last year, okay? So, yeah, so we do, we do not like preventative giving, which is sort of like taxes. It's consistent, and it's long-term. We do like reactionary giving. We like charitable giving because it meets an immediate need. Think about it. And this is really sad, and so I'm not making light of this. But when we hear about, hey, this child has been abused, or this child has been trafficked, and you can give right now to stop that child from being abused again, right? You can give them a safe place. What do we do? Like, that hits us. And we're like, absolutely, I'm going to give to this thing, right? And then what we do with that money is we go, I, I can measure this. Because I gave, 
This child is no longer going to be abused because I did this, right? It hits us in a spot. We can measure where our money's going. It makes sense to us. And we do this with other things. If there's an emergency, we love giving towards emergencies. Why do we love giving towards emergencies? Once again, we can see it and measure it. Our money, our money is going to this thing that stops the emergency from becoming any greater than it already is, right? Our money is going to something that actually, you know, at, at this point will we'll, we'll make it, there was a problem, but my money makes it so that I have a solution. That's, that's good. We love it. In fact, we love it so much. Do you know it releases chemicals in our brain when we do that? Did you know that? The same chemicals in our brain that react when we're having sex react when we give charitably. Did you all know that? Think about that next time. <laughs> next time you give. Next time you give. Think about that. So, <laughs> so anyway... So that's what happens, right? We have this sense in which, like, okay, if I'm giving uh, charitably, if I'm giving in an in intervention, it's quick, it's fast, I do it once, and I can measure what's going on. I can see the way the changes are happening, right? There's a problem, and I, I fix it, there's a solution. <sighs> now, I would dare say preventative giving is boring. It's like taxes. It doesn't do that chemical thing in our brain ever, and yet it's far superior. It's far superior. I'm going to tell you why it's far superior right now. Would you rather, would you rather give your money to a child who has been abused and you're ending that abuse? Or would you, would you rather give your money so that a child would never be abused in the first place? I think we know the answer, right? Now here's the problem with that. The problem with that is we can't measure that. We can't say, oh, my money went to, well, I don't know, it did, did, it, did it save a child? I don't know. I can't see it. Right? And so we're less likely to give preventatively. We're less likely to give in such a way that we want to stop something before it happens. Think about your friend, and your friend comes up to you, and your friend goes, hey, the brakes on my car are going, and I need help getting them fixed. What would you say? You'd say, no. If you can't pay for your brakes, then don't have a car. That's what you would say to your friends, right? <laughs> Maybe I just say that to my friends. <laughs> but here's the thing. If your friend got into a car accident and called you and said, my brakes failed, I got into a car accident, I need help paying my medical bills, you'd be like, all right, how much do you need? Right? We would do that. See, because we can't ever measure that if we helped our friend pay for the brakes, we can't measure the, you know, the, would they have gotten into an accident? Would they not have? I don't know. But you know, the other way, we can measure it. We can see it. It's a problem, and the problem needs to be solved. We do this, right? We, 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 preventative giving is way better. It stops somebody from getting the accident, but we don't like it as much. It's boring. It's not as sexy. We do this outside of money, too. You go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, well, if you just did this and ate better and exercise, and you're like, shut up. <laughs> give me the thing I need to make me better, right? That's what we do. We, give me the pill, give me the surgery, give me whatever. I don't want to think about the preventative stuff I could have done. That doesn't work. Now, here's the thing. Here is the thing. When we think about forefront, we think about 2020 vision, we think about you know, ushering in the next 500 years, which I really believe that we can do and we're already doing, we are going to do it not by giving charitably and reactionary, we're going to do it by giving preventatively in a boring, consistent, long-term way. That is what's going to fill these buckets up. That's going to do it, right? When we start to give preventatively in ways that are long-term, these buckets get filled. And you know what? It's not going to be fun or exciting, but it's going to usher in a new kind of Christianity and change the world. It will. So we say goodbye to our kids. They're downstairs. You know what we need to do this year? We need to create more space for our children. That's going to affect, what, 35% of this church? And you're like, why would I care about creating space for the children? We also need to buy a children's curriculum for the older kids. That sounds pretty exciting, right? 
Not really. Don, who's a, one of our Kid Stuff directors, emailed me. He's like, hey, man, can we buy curriculum? And I was like, meh, meh. I was like, sure. It's not that exciting to us. But here's the deal. My kids are downstairs, and they've been going downstairs for about seven years. I had to deconstruct my faith, and it took me forever. I stopped going to church, and there are still times I wake up and I'm afraid of God. You know what my kids aren't afraid of? They're not afraid of God. You know what else my kids aren't afraid of? They're not afraid of hell. Like I was growing up, walking on eggshells, thinking I was making God mad all the time. You know what my kids do when they go downstairs? They talk about inclusivity in the way that God loves us all. God loves us just as we are. God loves everyone that way. And they leave and they're like, yeah, this is wonderful. Because God loves me this way, I'm going to treat other people this way. That's what happens downstairs. And now we need more room because there's more kids. Y'all are crazy with the kids that are coming. (laughs) At this point, lots of charitable giving going on in this place. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, so yeah. You know, my kids, uh, my kids, and I've said this before, and I, I love this story, and I, I always, you know, my kids are nosy, like kids are, and they'll say to single people, hey, are you getting married? And then single people will be like, I don't know, I guess. And they'll be like, are you going to marry a boy? Are you going to marry a girl? Are you going to marry somebody in between? And you know what is interesting to me? First of all, they're nosy, and it's inappropriate. But, <laughs> but secondly... It, I love the fact that when they go downstairs, they're learning about a God who loves them to the point where it's not even a question about, oh, this is the way it has to be or it has to be in this box or boundary, that God loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter who you're going to marry. And that is why we give to this really boring thing. Because we're not going to be able to say, like, oh, this kid was this way at one point, and they deconstructed their faith, and now they're this way. No. When we start to give to extra space downstairs, what ends up happening is we create a generation of kids who never have to deconstruct because they've always been told that God is good. And then they create another generation of kids that never have to deconstruct because they've been told that God is good. And it goes down the line, and guess what happens? The 500 years gets ushered in. Let's give preventatively. Boring more space for our kids because it's going to bring the next 500 years. We're going to fill up this bucket when we do that. Last week we were um, at staff meeting and, uh, and Robbie goes to us. Robbie's our tech director and Robbie goes, you know what? I want to buy a live stream thing. And I was like, well, that's okay, cool. And he's like, it's just going to be better production. And I was like, All right, whatever, man. All right, cool, you know. <laughs> And then I got a note a few weeks ago, and I put two and two together. It was a note from a woman in California, and she just wrote, hey, thanks for changing my life all the way from California. And I was like, that's dope. I've never gotten a note like that before from somebody out there. And all of a sudden, I was like, we should do this live stream thing. Like, like because what's happening is that, and I, we figured out through Facebook, Facebook's fine. We've, what we figured out is that people from Korea are watching, people in London are watching, people all over America are watching. And, and when we give to do better production, there are people who don't have safe places where they live, and they come and they see that this is a safe place, right? That's what they get to see. And you know what? We're never going to measure how many people who don't have a safe place somewhere else will have a safe place here. Actually, the live stream counts people. But regardless, <laughs> regardless, what we'll be able to do is we'll say, because I gave to like a boring content production kind of thing, more people's lives are being changed. More people are finding safety. More people are realizing that God is not forsaking them. And more people are saying, you know what? Uh, This is good news. It used to not be good news. This is good news. And we're ushering in the next 500 years. So give preventatively. 
Because in giving preventatively, we get to buy live stream equipment that helps people in Korea and London and California, and lives are being changed. And yeah, maybe we don't get the letters in the mail, but it's happening. You give that way. And I'm going to make that part of our midweek as well. You know what else I'm going to make part of our midweek? Sarah New. We hired Sarah New. She's pretty great. We hired Mackenzie, too. She's pretty great. Um, I'm glad we hired the two of them. You know what Sarah New's been doing for the past three weeks? Making data sheets. How many people like data sheets? <laughs> Y'all can leave. <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. I love you all. <laughs> Why is she making data sheets? Because too many people have told us, I didn't get the right kind of communication. I, I, I want to be a part of this community, and I, I can't quite get to that place. Or, or you told me this thing might be happening. Is it happening? What's going on? And what Sarah is doing is saying, hey, we never want another person to fall through the cracks again. We never want anybody to walk through these doors and not have an opportunity for community, which means we're literally writing a 1,000 names down. And we have all these categories, and we're checking boxes and making sure people are followed up with why. We're doing it because we know that this is a life-changing place, and we want to make sure every single person has the opportunity for that life change. Every single person. And so I sat there this past week, and I went through and I checked a bunch of boxes for two hours, and it was the best thing I did because it made me realize that there are hundreds of people that are finding life change in this place. And when we give preventatively, you're not going to know about the hundreds more that are going to come in and find it. You're just not going to know. We're just going to keep building data sheets. But that money goes toward data sheets, which change lives, which ushers in the next 500 years. Give preventatively. Do that. And we get to fill up another box. And I'm just going to fill up this box for fun because we forgot about it. We didn't forget about it. That box has a lot of stuff in it. But do we see what we're doing? Do we see how, how our boring giving, our unsexy giving, do we see how it's going to change things? Do we see that once we start to fill up all these boxes, then we get to fill up this thing, and our vision comes to fruition? We truly are going to usher in the next 500 years, but it does not happen unless we're willing to quit being charitable and start being boring and give preventively. So that's what I'm going to ask you all to do. If you give, thank you. It makes our church go, and I'm thankful for it. For the next six months, I'm going to ask you to give a little bit more so that we can do some of these really boring, unsexy things that are going to change the world. And if you're not giving, I'm going to ask you to give. And I'm going to ask you to give for six months consistently the same way we pay taxes because ultimately it's not going to be a problem and a solution-solving thing, and you're not going to get the, the chemicals in your brain, but you are going to change the world. For Israel, they grumbled, but they did it, and it worked out pretty well. Jesus came out of it. It's the whole reason we're here. History was changed. And this might be like a hyperbole, but the more and more I'm up here talking about 500 years, I don't think it is. Because I think this church and others like it, I think we're going to change history. We're going to change history for the cause of Christ. This is going to be good news again this is going to be good news in the same way that Martin Luther made it good news. And we have the opportunity to do this right now. Will you partner with us? Will you do the most boring, the most consistent, the most long-term, the most life-changing thing you can do and help us usher in the next 500 years? And if so, then let's all make history. Y'all down to make some history? Yes. Let's do it. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray, y'all. Oh, God, thank you for this vision. It's big, and it takes a lot of work. Give us the courage, the strength, the will to do that work. Give us the courage and the strength of will to live in the questions that, that, that come with his giving. There will be many questions. There won't be a solution. We won't see it, but thank you for giving that to us anyway. 
And when we don't get it right, when we fail, when we, when we mess it up, we thank you for the grace that comes through that. So we pray all these things in your name. Amen.